using as sort of like my central hub, uh, GOG Galaxy has like plugins and yeah. connections to all of the other accounts. So it's especially funny when I like mouse over a game and see, oh yes, I have this on Steam and Epic and GOG. Like, it'll, it'll at least tell you that you already have it. That's all. Yeah. Um, as well as telling me like what form it's in. Um, whether it's yeah, installed or not. But yeah, the fall I have on both Steam and Epic, and then I did pick up the fall 2 on Steam when it came out a little while ago. Um, both of them are, are a good time. Uh, yeah, I saw there's a sequel. Is there is there yet a third one, or is it just the two right now? If they're planning a third one, I haven't heard about it. The second one came out okay. last year, maybe 2019. I don't remember exactly, uh, but... Yeah, I, I picked it up and played through it. I played through it last year, I think. Um, okay. But it, it's very different. Like, it continues the story, um, and it, uh, like, follows the same character, but the, the approach is very different. Uh, the gameplay is, is much updated. Um, and it does some really interesting things with the existing themes, as well as adding a bunch of new stuff. Um, so it, it's kind of like a weird successor, but the two actually complement one another very well in a way that you usually don't expect a sequel to to work with the original yeah. work. Cool. Nice. Cool. What's up, Corey? How are you? I am not doing too bad. I gotta see. I gotta see little William today, so I'm having like an awesome day. Nice. I heard you were here for a long time. Yeah, you guys like were hanging out outside for a while. It's good. We had a long walk too, a lot nice. more walking than I've done like all year. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like all we do when the weather's nice anyway. Sorry, I was running a little late tonight. I was uh, supposed to be checking if there was an egg in my chicken coop, but instead the chicken just escaped, and so then I had to catch oh. it and put it back in. So I, just, I still don't know if there's an egg in there. If there is, she'll probably start. <laughs> roosting and sit on it and i won't know until tomorrow maybe maybe we'll have two eggs tomorrow it's also like um it looks like the end of the world here the the clouds just got like very thundery all of a sudden uh and it's like sunset so they're kind of like red it. it's very Whoa. uh dramatic yeah do you see that ominous yeah, yeah. Like, like red sky and then like blue mountains yeah uh, yeah. It is just dark. Right? It was sunny though for the walk. <laughs> you guys don't have anything interesting going on there, do you? Don't have like the rapture happening back east yet? Nope, do you? nope, not that I can see. Some stars. Um, or if it did happen, then I, you know, no one I know has been raptured, which is always the, the danger, you know. <laughs> Ooh, it could have, could have happened. Steve, how about you? Are you are you still on the terrestrial plane with us? Uh, yeah, no rapture to report here in Philly. Um, not yet, at least. Would you really um, know in Philly? Though? But I think it's gonna. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I was gonna say like I, I don't think I'd be able to figure it out until it was too late. I'd be like, oh, that's just a normal day in Philly. Okay. They say it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I heard. I heard fun uh, Well, it's nighttime and there's no sun out, so that's that's false. <laughs> Demonstrably multi. Uh, Have you ever seen so that show? <laughs> I yeah, I, yeah. I did not uh, really get into it, but I, I have watched quite a bit of that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty good stuff. Uh, how's the new apartment, Steve? Have you do you feel like you've got yourself kind of settled in? 
Are you still uh, in boxes? I mean, I still have boxes um, of crap that I don't know what I'm going to do with. But, you know, I have internet. So that's really all I needed. Yep. But, yeah, so <laughs> I'd say I'm, I'm probably like 75% of the way, like, settled in. But, yeah, it's super nice. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm very happy. Uh, and, Ben, you're, are you on your break right now? Or are you just going into your break, coming out of your break? Breaks are a myth. Um, okay. Last week was supposedly spring break, and the only discernible huh. difference between the week that I spent on spring break and the week that I didn't spend on spring break was, like, one class didn't meet. <laughs> Um, oh my god! Yeah, Montclair isn't doing spring break this year because they're trying to like start late and compact the schedule so people are on campus less. Uh, like you don't want a mm -hmm. bunch of students wandering off to disparate parts of you know Florida or wherever and oh coming god, yeah. to spread virus. So uh, they just canceled spring break altogether. Um, so yeah, like uh, not much in the way of break in my break this semester uh, but theoretically it was last week that is breaking my heart to hear <laughs> i yeah dude we we at least get spring break here uh not next week but the following week okay. um at least for the public schools i don't know about the colleges and stuff around here but yeah, they tend to be a little uh, so what have you all been up to what have you been reading first let's start with books did you get into that frank biography of dostoevsky yes uh i finished the first volume um the seeds of revolt uh so i learned all about dostoevsky's childhood life his like sort of young adulthood um getting in with the wrong crowd in the petrushevsky circle um and you know engaging with socialist anarchists um and all that like got broken up and we we left off at the the mass arrests um okay so i like that's the only one i'm reading this this year next year i'll pick up the second one and we'll see about his career in prison and i'll read notes from the dead house to go along with it um but yep uh, is there is there a uh is there an autobiographical strain that's detectable, like in his books, knowing more about his his youth now? Um, Do you feel like there's characters that are just him, or? Yes and no. Uh, like Frank's biography was actually really geared toward, like, rather than being a, a traditional biography, just telling the events of his life. It was very much sort of looking at Dostoevsky's life in terms of the way that he used it for material for his, his work. Um, okay. And on the one hand, you can see echoes of it, like um, you, you can see a lot of connections between the, the sort of people he's interacting with and then the people that he'll later portray. Uh, like there, there are some that are very obvious one-to-one -one accounts, like it's famous that in Demons he's absolutely making fun of Turgenev for being a pompous blowhard. Um, okay. because he knew Turgenev and Turgenev like turned on him and it was really kind of bitter, um, which, you know, is partially Dostoevsky's fault because he was naive and Turgenev is just kind of a, like a social butterfly who really doesn't put weight on relationships the way that Dostoevsky did. He's not as earnest. Um, yeah. but a lot of the time it's more composite 
like Frank mentioned that there there's like this whole contingent of Dostoevsky scholarship who reads uh, the 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 paraphernalias of the the Karamazov family, like Mr. Karamazov, as being an analog for Dostoevsky's father. And, you know, a lot of people read oh, wow. that like Dostoevsky's dad was abusive and and like aroused and was a drunk, and that's not at all true. Like. Dostoevsky's father was actually strictly religious and sort of like a disciplinarian. Um, like his relationship with his dad was complicated and further complicated by the fact that he may have been murdered, question mark. Um, which Frank... No way! Yeah, like apparently the, there was a lot of talk at the time um, like Dostoevsky's father, while Dostoevsky was at the, the um, military engineering academy, which is sort of like very much what his dad wanted him to do and not at all what Dostoevsky himself wanted to do. Um, apparently, like Dostoevsky was constantly asking him for money because, you know, that's what kids do when they're at boarding school or college or whatever. Um, and his, his father was always sort of pushing back, like, there's really not a lot of money to go around. And, you know, it turns out that, like, the, the farm, the estate that they had been living on was kind of falling into disrepair. And then Dostoevsky's dad died under mysterious circumstances. It was largely insinuated that the peasants were involved, like somebody had murdered him in his bed. Um, just a whole dark sort of situation, um, but it, it's Frank was quick to point out that like all of the evidence that he was murdered is circumstantial at best, and the idea that there was some sort of like peasant uprising is is very weak, um, and was possibly okay. circulated by a rival landowner who was actually trying to discredit the family. Like it's this whole thing. Um, <laughs> suffice it to say. Like, it's definitely not a one-to-one. -one. And while Dostoevsky probably did have a lot of complex feelings about his relationship with his father, it's probably way closer to Ivan's relationship with his father and, and not right. so much like Alyosha's or, or Dmitri's. Like, okay. Mr. Karamazov is dissipated in a way that Dostoevsky's own father definitely was not. Um, so, you know, it, it's bits and pieces. He takes from a lot of the characters, the, the people that he knew, and builds them into these composite figures that he can play with. Yeah, yeah. Have you have either of you two, uh, Corey, Steve, started Brothers K by chance? Negative. I was talking to Stephanie about it a little bit, but um, yeah, she, she I did start. Week. No, that's cool. It's, it's fine. Steve, any... Uh, yeah, no, I, I did start it. I read the first sentence. Um, nice. <laughs> I think it was about, he was like one of three children of the guy. I don't know. I downloaded it on my Kindle and I, uh, I read like the first sentence and then I just stopped reading it. You but I had to take the first step. Yes, the, the, the journey of 750 pages begins with a single sentence. And, and you're right. on that journey. And yeah, but so what's fascinating to me about the the Pater Familius is his name is Fyodor. Right? So he, he's named his main, you know, I don't know, MacGuffin of the plot, if you want to call him that. He's named him after himself. Uh, and so, yeah, thinking that it's like in some way a reflection of his own father, that's kind of cool. Like, I love it when 
authors kind of write themselves into their own story in whatever way. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there's three Relatable. three brothers or three three kids. Uh, Dimitri, the oldest, and he's the soldier who needs money and tries to get it from his dad, and his dad says there's no money. Uh, Ivan, the scholarly one, like the intellectual one, is the middle child. And then Alyosha is the kind of uh, young monk uh, who's the, the, the hero of the book, uh, according to the author, like the narrator, that is. Like saying, this is, this is the heroic figure I want to write about, but I'm, I'm not sure if he will seem like a hero to my readers. So that's kind of what he's saying there in the, like the author's note or whatever. The, the, um, so the is he playing the third? The third, so he's writing himself as a third. It's yeah. It sounds like he's more like the middle one. Yeah. It sounds like he's middle. more like the scholarly, uh, maybe, um, but maybe a little bit of himself in each, yeah. in a way. There, there's yeah. bits and pieces of Dostoevsky and his friends in a lot of the characters. Like Dostoevsky sees a lot of the of people in terms of types. Um, like it's a, it's a very 19th century Russian thing to do is you sort of like understand people according to certain characteristics that keep recurring. Um, so, you know, trying to sort of like build these archetypes, Mishka, the, the passionate, you know, like reckless lover of experiences and, and dissipation. And then I've, anime characters pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Ivan, the, the hyper intellectual, who's also kind of neurotic and then Alyosha, who is innocent and impressionable. Um, like, I'm sure that Dostoevsky sees himself in all three to some degree. Like, that's that's the Russian soul for Dostoevsky. Um, on the one mm -hmm. hand, passionate. On the other hand, like, intellectual, but sort of, like, disjointed or, or misguidedly intellectual. And then, at, at bottom, good. Um, religious, soulful. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Oh, so those are, like, the three top people, like his hero type archetypes? The, there are types yeah. that you see or Just in Russian in general, or his specifically? Well, again, it's sort of like how he sees it. Like, different Russian writers will come up with sort of different ways of understanding, you know, what constitutes the Russian soul. For Dostoevsky, he keeps coming back to, to these sort of three characteristics, like in his essays and in his fiction as well. Um, and Karamazov is sort of like the clearest contrast um, of those three parts. Um, but it, it, like you'll see this the same components sort of mixed and matched in other characters throughout his his work. Like um, you'll see, you know, intellectuals always like there's always at least one character in all of all of his novels who is like really intellectual but also really like neurotic and uncomfortable with it. Like Raskolnikov and Crime and Punishment yeah. or Kirillov and, uh, and Demons. Um, but you'll also see like those really passionate people who often you know wreck their own lives in the process of, of their their passion. Um, the tricky one is Alyosha. Like Dostoevsky tried for a long time to write a legit romantic hero in the style of like you know Victor Hugo or something, and um, he frequently failed. Like Prince Mishkin and, and the idiot turns out to be pretty ineffective. Um, and, and mm -hmm. susceptible to temptation. And Stavrogan in Demons turns out to be the exact opposite. He is too powerful and he overwhelms everyone and he becomes a tyrant. And it's bad. Um, which is why Alyosha is such an interesting balance. Um, like he has Mishkin's 
innocence, but stabbed with strength. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's in, like, I don't know. I could talk about Dostoevsky for four hours and not get tired because he's like, my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's a fascinating study. And Brothers Karamazov is one of the best places to sort of like jump in and, and see what he's doing, as wild and wooly as this book may be. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, have you guys ever read any? Yeah, have you read any of the? I mean, did you ever have to read it like in uh, high school? Any like crime and punishment or any of those? Do you make it? I got my GED when I was like sixteen, so you didn't have to do I that then. <laughs> I didn't do a lot of. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I took the ACTs though at sixteen. I did pretty good, nice. but I just haven't been back. I didn't really do really well with homework. You got like catch learning, up. Just hate homework. Catch up on your reading now. Now's the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know you guys I, are. I uh, read a lot that. of like fantasy sci-fi. Okay. Yeah. I heard that it's Tolkien reading day. Did you know that? Is it? The twenty-fifth of March is like the day that Sauron is defeated. Oh yeah. So they celebrate it as Tolkien reading day. Mm. Anyway. I like that. Is that the there, isn't that the second? Like, I thought there was another Tolkien holiday. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got, like, his birthday um, celebrates. And, yeah, I think it's, like, uh, there's, like, a Hobbit day, yeah, yeah. I think, too. You've got to have you know, a celebration right. for the joint birthday of Frodo and Bilbo. Yeah, the, the, birth, the, the, uh, the birthday celebration, in, I guess, in the fall sometime. Yeah. Yeah, so there's... I don't know. I think uh, I think that the Brothers K. Yeah, if you read like a, a book of that, so it's broken into books. There's chapters within the books, but um, but I think if you go book by book, like just give yourself a couple weeks to get through each of the books, then it's pretty manageable. It actually reads pretty quickly once you get going. I think. So it's just called Brothers K. The Brothers K. Brothers, Brothers K. Brothers K. Brothers K. Brothers K. There is a book called the Brothers K. But this one, Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. I, so I, I don't know if the, uh, yeah, the, the the version on Steam, or not Steam, on Kindle. <laughs> on Steam. Uh, uh, is that just like a free one you found, Steve? No, I mean, I I think it was just the book. I, I don't know. Oh. I paid like $3 for it or something, I think. I don't know what version it is, though. I was actually going to text you and ask you, because like, when I searched for it on my Kindle, like eight different versions of it popped up. Yeah, yeah. I was actually um, hunting for, for Dostoevsky stuff. Um, one of the things that Frank brought up was one of his unfinished novels, which I had not read. Um, so it turns out that they have the Kindle version where you can pay $3 and get like all of Dostoevsky's novels, like the whole caboodle, oh. including the, the weird ones that nobody ever reads, like Humiliated and Insulted, or Netochka Nezvanovza, I forget how to pronounce it. Um, but yeah, so $3 is a pretty solid way to spend that. <laughs> yeah. You can, yeah, I'm sure you can find that. All kinds of editions out there. Oh, yeah. um, Project Gutenberg has one. 
And LibriVox has a, an audiobook of the Constance Garnett translation. Um, yeah. As well as most of the That's like the classic standard. What was that last one called? LibriVox. L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X. Librivox. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, box. Okay. With a V. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So it looks like there's, like, I don't know. Books. Looks like there's 12 books. And then the epilogue. Um, yeah, that would mean, like, I don't know. Take, a, take like, three or four months if you if you read it, like, a, a book every couple weeks or something. Sounds about right. I think that's a good good mm -hmm. rate to go with this. Um, yeah, we, a slow rate. Uh, it should be enough for me to read. <laughs> and you can go, I mean, you could go faster. You could do a book a week if you wanted to, if you got into it. Okay. Um, but some of them, okay. some of them are pretty hefty. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't read yeah. too fast, but I get I kind of like read around. I'm not too yeah, bad at reading, like at comprehension. The start. I just don't do it very fast. <laughs> yeah. we'll take your you gotta get all these characters than... straight. Oh yeah, gosh. The... And it's once you kind of start to know who the characters are, then it gets it gets a bit easier. Yeah, all um, Russian novels are a little tricky insofar as like everybody has three names and maybe also a nickname or two, so you like have to keep track of five different names. Um, but fortunately, fortunately, they're, what they're what style are they? Style? Um, I mean, like, I mean, genre. That's my mind. Yeah, it's um, realistic fiction. Like mystery. Or like it, it, it is arguably okay. a murder mystery in its own right. Um, kind of. Yeah, although you won't actually see the murder until rather late in the book. Um, but Dostoevsky kind of plays like this is this is before genre fiction is kind of a thing in its own right. Like he, you know, is he's not exactly a contemporary, like Jean Grisham uh, novel. But uh, this is before like fantasy or science fiction were were distinct. Uh, genres mm -hmm. in their own right like um, he, he's very much you know he's writing in a tradition but a tradition that is you know more informed by by artistic movements like romanticism and, and realism than by genre like you know you, you sit down now and you're like i'm going to write a, a detective novel and there are certain genre conventions that you sort of like plan to incorporate like i'm going to include a you know femme fatale and i'm going to have red herrings right. i'm going to you know like have the the main character get into a, a standoff with one of the other characters like all of those things you expect when you open up a detective novel um but then you know those genre conventions just don't exist in dostoevsky's day so you know he writes a murder mystery but <laughs> it doesn't look like a murder mystery. Like Sherlock Holmes never shows up to, to deduce all the pieces together. And, you know, we're actually, you actually discover who the murderer is, murderer is when he confides in one of his friends rather than, you know, actually because of like the de elaborate deductions of a detective. Um, so again, mm. you know, it's, I see. It's not like based on trying to be that. Yeah. No. It's not following a, a map. Um, Dostoevsky's kind of like, just trailblazing his own right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a story though. Oh yeah. Like um Yeah, the story the story is very 
character driven I, I would say like a lot of it has to do with like what is motivating these different people like what do they want how are they trying to go about getting it so it it is like very realistic in that way very the characters really feel like yeah they, they feel like people you get to know um and that's cool yeah the kind of debates that they have with each other are yeah. just brilliant like the kind of dialogue that he that he generates from his characters. I feel like that's how he's able to write these massive books. Is he just like the characters just like do the storytelling at a certain point? He just gets to. I feel like that'd be the hardest ideas. part. It, it is yeah. something is to write the dialogue. Yeah, it's not something you see duplicated very often. And Dostoevsky really is just a master of voice. Um, yeah. Like he, when when. In some of his, you know, more brilliant moments, like you no longer even need to, to keep track of who's speaking. Just the way they speak makes it so obvious. Um, like even <laughs> even in the passages in, in the Brothers Karamazov, like Dmitri has these clipped sentences where he's just like barking commands at people, and it's like barely grammatical. <laughs> and then Ivan, of course, has these long winding sentences that just go on for pages and pages. And meanwhile, Alyosha, like almost everything he says is a question. Like he's always interrogating, mm. always trying to <laughs> learn more. Uh, he's always observing. Um, so yeah, like the, he just. He has such a command of the character of their voice, and you know that leads them into these these really interesting exchanges and conversations, as sort of like these ideas and philosophies are sort of bouncing off of one another. So you know, there's like three whole chapters where Ivan just you know talks at, at poor Alyosha, <laughs> uh, like here is my philosophy, and here is my philosophy, and here is more of my philosophy, and Alyosha is like, how can you believe that stuff? Because he's just, you know, he just believes what he believes. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It, it, he's one of so he's doing both sides of the conversation. That's the thing, like a little bit, like yeah. a chain of thought, a trail of thought back and forth. And, like and it's that's not cool. Like, I like that. You know, that'd be so hard to do. Yeah, and it's not like when you read Anne Rand and it's like, you know, here is my philosophy, and I'm going to put it in the mouth of one of my characters, so you know, you take it more seriously, like. Scholars study Dostoevsky endlessly, and they still disagree about what Dostoevsky actually believed or what he was actually trying to say. Um, oh yeah, because he's saying both sides of the exactly. of the issue. He's more interested. So that's like all sides. Yeah. it's not like both sides. It's like all sides. He's totally. he's more interested in what the characters believe than like whether or not that lines up with what he believes. Um, like you know. As much as I love Brothers Karamazov, I am also very partial to demons um, because it is just about that. Like when he says demons, mm -hmm. it's usually translated like the possessed, even though it's more accurately like the possessors. Like the whole theme that he's dealing with is how do ideas like carry people away? Um, like you, you get these philosophically minded individuals who just you know, run wild because of some crackpot theory they have that they've just carried to such an extreme as to be irrational and even dangerous. Um, like, Dostoevsky's very interested in, in what these ideas are doing to Russia, um, to the people of Russia, and to the, the, the world around him. 
Um, like the 19th century was full of conflicting philosophies and they, they were starting to get violent. You know, people were starting revolutions. They were starting anarchist circles. Dostoevsky himself was arrested for being part of one. Um, so he's sort of trying to figure out what that means. And it's just so important now because we see the same thing happening. Like, so I was going to say. Yeah. It kind of goes in cycles. But everything kind of does. I was watching this like um, TV show or this channel that just showed like the history and things even happen like within the same week of like like of each other like this will happen in history like a hundred years ago yep. <laughs> it's like, like the same thing going on nowadays yeah yeah uh -huh. it's just in a different like when they had the trans um, gender bathrooms they were also like like on the same day like or the same week years before they were doing the same um, they were fighting for the rights of um, of like all races having equal rights mm -hmm. Yeah. In bathrooms, yeah. it's, it's weird. Or even like you think of the the pandemic in twenty twenty. You know, the last big pandemic was nineteen eighteen's flu epidemic, like a hundred and two yeah. years apart. Uh, Just a bit yeah. Time. yeah, it's shocking <laughs> how Peace. close it is. Well, yeah. So, uh, what um, what ideas are are haunting you guys these days? Uh, aside from stuff you've been reading like what's uh what are you kind of been processing lately things to do with pandemic i imagine and and maybe along those lines uh, i'm kind of worried about stuff. the new johnson johnson vaccine if i'm worried about any of them just because like they're targeting like homeless people and people in rural oh communities but just because they have like a one dose shot but that's who's going to first is like homeless people and people in rural communities it's kind of like strange yeah. Um. And also Johnson Johnson, I see commercials like for like lawsuits for their talcum powder for like years ago. So it's like the same time the vaccines mm -hmm. coming out. So if any, I'm worried about it's kind of that one just a little bit. But that's just conspiracy theory, like me. <laughs> like why? Some, the other one, the other one that's been in the news is the AstraZeneca. Yeah. That like apparently they fudged some statistics on it, and then. Now people are like, uh, does it actually, you know, can we trust you about what you're saying about it? Yes. Oh no. There is definitely a lot of that, that mistrust out there around some of this stuff. Um, I'm still, yeah, I'm still curious why like only those people are getting that. Like it should be for everyone, especially if it's like a one dose thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, why is it targeting only like homeless people first and then people in rural areas? Well, I think it's it's less about targeting like Johnson and Johnson. Um, I mean, I just got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine like a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, my, my sister did too. Yeah, <laughs> my sister did too. I, think it, I mean, everybody is kind of yeah. in a way. I, I think it has a lot. Ben, you're homeless. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> not yet. Uh, Olivia, <laughs> Olivia got it. Yeah, I think the she key is definitely not homeless. She is yeah. very, yeah. I, I think the key is yeah. availability, not so much targeting. Like the yeah. the um, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines were very much distributed centrally. Like you know, they, they built all those pop-up sites um, where they were just you know like working out of shopping malls or like they've got a big one in the Meadowlands out here. You know, these sort of super sites proceeded over by like the, the National Guard and, and the federal government. Um, whereas like once the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was approved 
Um, Johnson and Johnson had like tons of, of actual vaccine hanging around. Um, so instead of distributing it through like the distribution centers that had been set up, they actually went grassroots with it. They, you know, did what a pharmaceutical company would normally do, sell it to pharmacies. Um, hmm. So, you know, I, I think the, the push to get homeless people and, and you know, people in rural communities, poor people, the getting them the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has a lot to do with the fact that they had been at the back of the line for Moderna and Pfizer. Um, like, they were not able to Might get a it. slot in, in those vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, I just speaking from New Jersey, I know every state is really different on this one, like for political reasons and other things. Um, in, in New Jersey, like people have been signing up for, for the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine for months at this point. Um, and it has been coming down in a trickle. Uh, like people have been waitlisted for weeks on end or, you know, the, like, They'll open up signups for, for the vaccine, and then, like, within seconds, they'll all be bought up or they'll all be used up. Um, whereas, because Johnson & Johnson bypassed the distribution centers and went straight to the pharmacies, a lot of people who hadn't signed up, who, you know, hadn't been on the wait list, who hadn't sort of, like, gone out of their way or you know, had the ability to get online at a specific moment, at a specific time, or on a specific day, suddenly they had access. Um, so, again, like... A lot more sense. Because I just saw, like, a news clip, and I'm like, why is it seem like it's targeting that? But then, like, after talking to Stephanie and you, um, seeing that other people... Because she got her... I mean, Olivia got hers randomly. Like, she was... It was available. Um, so I'm not right. sure how you got yours. But now talking to you two, it sounds a little like there was more information. So thank you. Yeah, for my wife's a pharmacy <laughs> tech, so she's sort of like on ground zero for the distribution for Johnson and Johnson. Um, that actually makes me feel better about it. Yeah, that, that it went that route. Yeah, I, I, it's, so, well, I. I think, go ahead. Steve. I also think that for homeless people, like if you have to take two doses, uh, you know, uh, to keep track of a homeless person doing that, like. I think you want to give them yeah. the shot. That's just like a one-time thing because there's a good chance they're not going to be showing up for that second shot. The practicality is another major consideration. There. That made sense. Yeah. That made a lot of sense as to why like they should be getting it, but I don't. I didn't know why they were the only ones because yeah. that's what it sounded like. It's, so. it's not alone. And again, this is one of those where like, depending on where you're getting your news from, you, you could get some, some pretty out there conclusions. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, my sister uh, told me there was a place that was um that had openings daily. You just had to be ready to drive there because they open a case and then yes. they don't want it to expire. But it's even out of state. But like we're right on the border here, oh, okay. so it's just like just inside Idaho. Yeah, that, that was... But I like read the tweets and they said you didn't even need an ID. So I'm like, that's kind of sus. But yeah, a little <laughs> <sus>. <laughs> <laughs> But it's worth it checking out, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, other stuff, other, I know, Steve, you've been deep in this story about GameStop, um, and some crazy stuff has been happening with that, too. Uh, I've seen some news. Oh, man, yeah. this week has been way too stressful. Uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it started 
at like 195 maybe this week got up to like 220 and then on wednesday and thursday or on tuesday and wednesday it just dropped all the way back down to like 120 and then today it's back up 50 percent back to 190 so um it's been an emotional roller coaster i have been not focusing on my work nearly as much but uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how many of you actually like use Reddit, but like there was one guy who was posting his like due diligence, you know, to say, and he's like, you know, all these weird graphs that he's charting and, you know, trying to do these like long analyses. Um, and apparently, like this morning, he was like, oh, yeah, I've been getting threats um, about like people, you know, coming after me and it says like oh you know i hope he doesn't epstein epstein himself so like now he's kind of gone into oh hiding so so there's like kind of this nefarious type hedge fund conspiracy theory um going on which really just strengthens the resolves of the people on reddit because it's like oh they're attacking us yeah. um yeah now listen it could all be like you know a farce obviously like there's no there's no evidence that the guy gave that like couldn't have been fabricated and uh sure. you know i i mean i'm not sure why people would ever go on the internet and just lie but apparently that's something that people do um mm-hmm. yeah no it's been it's it's been very interesting to follow especially since i feel like after that the initial squeeze quote unquote like the media hasn't been following it like nearly as much um since since yeah. that first so you know and that's like another kind of like uh piece of evidence that people are pointing to that it's like a conspiracy like why why is it that like if it drops by 20 percent, like news is all over it saying that it dropped 20 but when it gains 50 percent in a day um there's not no, nearly no, as no, much coverage yeah uh yeah it's it's very i mean that sounds to me like it would make a great plot line for a video game or something, right? Like, at the very least, a docudrama is going to come out of this someday. Um, And who knows, like, maybe business courses will be taught about this someday. We'll we'll see. I think there's, like, an NES game where, you know, you're an investor in the stock market. (laughs) I heard... Which which is about as boring... What? I, I thought that the NES itself was a way to buy and sell stock at one time. Did did you send me some about like the Satellivision or whatever it was called that would like Satelliview? You could like transfer money with it. Um, uh, yeah, the Satelliview. It was um, only in Japan, uh, yeah. uh, and it was like a satellite kind of. It, they would like trans. You had to get like a special. A box that you would like put your Nintendo or your Super Nintendo on as for the Super Nintendo, and okay. you could like download games to it um, and play. And they had like um, a couple Legend of Zelda games. Um, some of them they had like live announcing over uh, F Zero tracks and stuff like that, and like better music. Um, and I, what is it? Yeah, like the Zelda one's interesting because it kind of had not a very like extended plot, but like more gameplay of like Link to the Past, um, which I think you can get on emulators now. It's called like BS Zelda. Um, right. right. Yeah, it was interesting. Right. 
I don't know. And I was reading somewhere that, that Nintendo had a way to uh, basically, yeah, like do banking or something through their their software. Like, way yeah, back yeah, yeah. When yeah, I think that was thing. Tel Aviv. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's right. Uh, it's crazy. Um, when was yeah. that? That when, was when like, was what, 93? Yeah, like, so, so the Zelda game came out in like 92, I think. Um, or right right after that, yeah, would be all this stuff, I guess. Um, wow, which Zelda? Uh, Link to the Past. Just the one. Oh, wow, it, okay. It's, it's a Teleview version. Um, yeah. which, yeah, is, like, one of the rarest things, I guess, now. Uh, well, is okay, it, yes. It's so an this, actual, it's, like, collector item? <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't know if it's even, it's, like, rarer than a, than a blockchain token, right? It's, like, it's, like, an early version of that, because it was, like, a thing you could only play when the satellite feed was going, basically. Um, but there's but there's emulated versions out there that you can play it. So, um, so what what have you all been playing these days aside from Near Automata? I've been watching Josh play Red Dead Redemption. He just got oh, it, the new one? Oh, and he's yeah. playing a story mode. Yeah, the new one for Xbox. I think it's the new one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. It's got like it's got a lot. It's like playing Grand Theft Auto, but with horses. Right. <laughs> I would say like a lot of Grand Theft Auto qualities. Um, but there's more interacting with items, and um, you can choose to be good or bad, and that's a big part of it. And like a lot of like there's a lot of options, like a lot of things you can adjust, mm -hmm. and depending on how much you eat or like how skinny you are. Like, if you don't, you can run faster if you're not bigger, but if you eat more, you're healthier. So it's like a balancing thing. You gotta so do. What, what what have you guys been choosing to do? Like, stay, like, super skinny and fast? And, like, have you been being a good ruffian uh, cowpoke? Or have you been making the... Well, your horse is also like that. So, like, we had, he had a, a race horse that was, like, it looks like he's about to drop dead any second, and he was like bigger than it, but that thing could go. And now he's got like a war horse. It's a pretty big one, um, but it's just a little slower and like stub more stubborn. So it's and um, and then also you can't really tell what is necessarily good or bad. Like mm. back in the time, because if you like kill someone and then you, if you don't kill someone, you let them go, and then you find out they raped this like. They were part of like people who raped some people. That's so awful. I was like, should I have killed them? Um, or like, you know, like would that have been a, a good thing to do? Because like you also get told on and then get like bounties and like so uh, it's like hard. It's like old west. You don't know whether to kill or like be killed. And then I was wondering how they were gonna like um uh do with the Native Americans and like if they were gonna be like enemies, you know, or how that was gonna work. I haven't oh, seen yeah. too many of them yet, but so far it hasn't been it hasn't been like too. I uh, haven't seen too much. Uh, um, like it hasn't been too negative. Mm. Like, yeah, that'd be delicate. Tackle. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's been pretty positive so far. You're only fighting like like cowboys. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> so 
weird. Yeah, I actually, I've been keeping up, uh, I, I played the, the first Red Dead Redemption when it came out for the PS3, um, and I loved it. Like, I, I don't usually get into uh, Rockstar's catalog. Like, I, I enjoyed a couple of the GTA games, but, like, ever since it got more complicated than, like, GTA 3, I've been a little more leery of it. Uh, but I did enjoy Red Dead Redemption, and I've sort of been waiting for the price to drop on Red Dead Redemption 2 before I pick it up, but I do want to. Um, and I saw, like, a couple weeks ago, one of, the, one of the YouTubers that I follow um, did a whole series, like this whole four-hour-long video on all of the Red Dead games, from Red Dead Revolver to Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, and just sort of like taking them apart and how the series has changed. And like, he's big into westerns and he's big into video games, so this is like right in his niche. Um, and it just makes me even hungrier for, for Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, but I remember liking the, the sort of moral grayness that Red Dead Redemption was, was very much riffing on. Like, like you were saying, where you, you can't really fully appreciate the consequences of your actions. and you know, there isn't a, a very clear-cut good-evil binary um, that it's much more about, you know, like being being in a world where there's a lot of rottenness hanging around. Like, it's not a matter of, of law versus lawlessness or, you know, good versus evil. It, it's more like, you know, doing the right thing is very contextual and much of that context is stuff that you just can't know or appreciate. You just got to do the best that you can. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's interesting to me that Red Dead Redemption 2 is actually the prequel. Um, like, Red Dead Redemption picks up. Eh? Yeah, the, the first one is, is about, like, one of the members of the gang, after the gang has very much been broken up, um, just sort of, like, making a deal with the devil, with the FBI, to sort of, like, Shut up, shut down the rest of the gang and, and take out the last remaining members. Um, and it's just, you know, he's, he's systematically hunting down his old friends is what it comes down to. Um, I want to ask so bad who it is, but thank you for not telling I, me. Okay, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do highly recommend the first one if you can, if you can track it down. Um, like, I, I suspect that it's the more narratively taught of the two from what I hear. Um, but it does, like, mm. I still really want to play the new one at some point. Again, once the price comes down a bit more. Um, they're tempting me. to see the online mode, too. Yeah, I've, I've got friends who are like, you got to play How the online fun. mode. And I'm like, not until I get through the story. <laughs> like, this this is... Yeah, we... This is... Yeah, there's a lot to learn. Yep. But it's, it's not too bad. Um... There's a lot of profanity in it, yep. but it seems pretty, like, easy just to go through and, like, um, if you die, you start, like, it's not too far back, you know, so there's not a lot to make up. So pretty easy to play through. Um, and, yeah, so I'm not sure if we're good or bad, and, like, so far, like, we made the right choices, I think, because, yeah. like, but, <laughs> like, it's hard to tell. It is really hard to tell. Um and who's, who's your friend or not. And then they're, like, killing people. And you're like, why am I killing you? Because you're protecting someone because I'm breaking someone out of jail. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot going on. 
So I'm really curious who the other one's about. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good, uh, no, that's like a good overview, I feel like, of the whole, I feel like that's the whole worldview of the Rockstar, you know, brand of video games in a nutshell, right? Like, let's not make it clear who's good and who's evil, right? Like, let's make it hard for the player to tell what consequences their actions will have. And and that adds, to, in a way, to the realism, I guess, uh, to maybe what we could call, like, the feeling that you are this character, right? And you, you really don't know more than the character does um, and, and brings you into that world in a way. But, like, that's so disorienting for me to even think about playing a game like that. Like, that's so different from the games I am comfortable playing. <laughs> yeah. I remember, what uh, is that book turned movie? Sorry, what is that book turned movie where you're like, they're Old West, but they're actually like androids on a map? Oh, and they're like actually, yeah, that. It's kind of like, reminds me of that. Like, when yeah. I stopped playing GTA for a while, I'd like see planes in the sky. I'm like, where's my rocket launcher? <laughs> like, why do I think that instantly? That's not good. Yeah, after playing, <laughs> you stopped playing for a while. I remember a, a solid like two weeks there where I, I just had a permanent swagger whenever I walked anywhere. Like I, I had that old west, <laughs> like, you know, syncopated, swaying walk. Like I was going to bust into a saloon and start shooting people at any moment. <laughs> 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 probably is not a good thing to be doing <laughs> but it just sort of like time for a break <laughs> yep yep it's like when you ride a horse for too long and <laughs> yep yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Dude. oh awesome uh, anything else anybody been playing yeah so i have been revisiting one of my old favorites from the gamecube era um and I suspect that there's going to be an essay in this at some point uh, because I just, for some reason, really want to talk about it. Uh, but the game is Lost Kingdoms, and I'm not expecting anyone to know it because it definitely it sounds so familiar. Does it? Is it, is it nice? Um, it hails. Is it uh, like the monkey? What? what Kung Fu? No. Uh, okay, anyways, keep going. I think I watched an anime, something yep. similar with that. Who knows? Um, Lost Kingdoms was one of the... It, it was one of the early games released by the guys who do Dark Souls. Um, like, oh way before Dark Souls was a thing. Um, so back in, like, 2002, when From Software was doing Kingsfield and, like, Kingsfield games for PlayStation 2, they released two games in quick succession for the GameCube. Um, Lost Kingdoms 1 and 2, um, and they're so unlike, like, anything else at that time or since. Um, like, they're just the product of such a very different design sensibility, and, like, the whole premise is um, you are the princess in this, this, you know, rich fantasy kingdom, and there's this black fog that's creeping over the land and your, your father, the king, goes to sort of like find out how to fix the fog and as he's gone, like the fog creeps up to your doorstep and it's up to you, the princess, to take the family moonstone and sort of like fight the monsters that the fog is spinning out and follow your father and see what's happened. Um, but the, the primary mechanic is like the the runestone allows you to play these cards like you get a deck of 30 cards and they all are monsters 
Um, and it's like a cross between Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and I don't even know. Um, but it's all in real time. Like, it's not a, a turn-based game or anything. Like, you literally run around these arenas chucking cards that turn into monsters and it'll, like, wander around and beat each other up. Or, like, you, you'll play a card and it'll summon them and they'll do this really big scary power and then, like, blow up tons of stuff and then you're back and you're, you're doing it all over again. Um, and it's just always appealed to me on so many levels. Like, the there's that element of, like, you want to collect all 100 and some cards before you beat the game. Yeah. And the, the levels are just rich and atmospheric. And they, they've got that dark loneliness that, that Dark Souls does so well, because that was very much from software's thing. And part of it was also the limitations of the technology at the time. Um, and even just, like... On the story level, they do a lot of really interesting things with, like, Princess Katya as a character. Like, a lot of the characters mention, you know, here you are trying to save the world. Don't, or, uh, one of them even says at one point, like, don't you have some burly brother who would, you know, do the job better? Um, <laughs> like, you don't look like much of a hero, they, they keep emphasizing. And, and you aren't. Like, that's kind of the, the interesting thing about the card mechanic is it, it separates you from the combat. Like, you are just, you know, a girl. Like, not a buff, superhuman, crazy, powerful girl like Bayonetta or something. Like, there's something mm -hmm. effeminate about the fact that she's, you know, walking around throwing cards and letting them do the dirty work for her. And I, I just think it's interesting. Like, it's such a different approach to the way that like, even violence in video games are usually executed by making you sort of secondary to that. Like, not shooting up the place or, or beating people up, but sort of engaged in this tactical game uh, where, where you're getting stuff done, like, through these intermediary cards. Um, and then they released the sequel... Like Game of Chess? Yeah, kind of. Except, again, it's, it's all in real time. So, you know, like, the, the cards, some of them are immediate, some of them take a little time to work, some of them you like drop them on the field and they just do their own thing. Like is it's just really interesting and very unlike kind of strategy. Yeah. It's one part strategy, one part action, one part RPG, like it's very unique. Um and I, I'm shocked that, you know, like <laughs> I'm like the only person who knows about this game. <laughs> like, I've never seen a YouTube <laughs> retrospective. Never seen you know people weighing in on it. Like, there are, there are a couple of devoted fans out there who have you know made FAQs and you know built the wiki. Um, but it is very underappreciated, and it is tough to get now. Like, if you try and track down the, the Lost Kingdoms one or two as like the original disc, you're you're talking like seventy to a hundred bucks minimum. Um, it is tough to track down, um, and it never took off. And I, I like, I don't know why. You know, part of the reason that I'm sort of thinking through this essay topic is like, you know, what is it that made this game completely overlooked when it means so much to me personally? Like, I, I must have played the first Lost Kingdoms like six times. Like, it takes nine hours to just beat and get all the cards, and I've done it like five or six times at this point it is one of my you know go-to relaxation games um because it is manageable like it's beatable and yet is so potent in its atmosphere and, and you know 
the specific the specific fantasy it sort of caters to and offers. Um, so yeah, it just it boggles my mind. Like I want to investigate it. I want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. No, go for it. I mean, that I feel yeah, I like that's a really interesting. Like, it looks prop. like I'm sorry. It looks like a Zelda version almost. It's like Zelda of the time. Yeah, so it, I don't know why it didn't get more. Talk. It has you know like the the. It's got a lot of, of similarities to Zelda, but you know where Zelda is much more proactive and much more. Um, again, it, like Lost Kingdoms is so secondary. Like even even the the battles are instants. Like I don't know if you played Quest sixty four, but like you get into a battle and like the arena shows up and there's like lasers around. You can't go out of the arena. It's kind of similar to that, although it's not quite as clunky. Um, in some ways, it's actually clunkier, but. I, my opinion it works um but it's just you know it there's there's a piece about it there's like a because there's a distance between you and the the avatar and then the avatar and the actual combat there's a, a sort of like you do play it kind of like you would play a chess game like you you are master of the pieces you you command them and um, you were not, you know, on this like hair trigger, really intense, really, you know, twitch sort of thinking, which may be part of the reason why it didn't work. Um, and it's not nearly as much puzzle solving as you would expect from Zelda. Like it's got its fair share of puzzles, uh, but they're they're pretty pretty superficial, very very adventure gamey stuff, with the occasional like use the card in the place to to proceed sort of thing thrown in as well. Um, and there's just a whole other layer on it because Lost Kingdoms 2 changed the formula in some fairly radical ways um, and also didn't work insofar as like did not become popular and did not take off and made a couple missteps in the process. But yeah, like I sort of want to, you know, as the name suggests, investigate this particular Lost Kingdom um, and see what's, see what's been overlooked in the intervening decades. That's, that's the part of it I was going to comment, like, that there is this game that's interesting and yet has no popularity. And just, like, what is it about a game that, that catches on or doesn't, right? That, like, I'm amazed they made a sequel at all, yeah. right? Because of the way that the pressures are to, like, be successful. And that makes us a lot of copies, right? So... Video games, I feel like, are particularly vulnerable to that because they're so expensive to make, um, and so many games like no one plays uh, the ones that aren't that aren't expensive, right? That aren't super, you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, any any other what, Steve? Anything else new that's been going on with you? Uh. Yeah, no, I recently purchased Catherine, the body edition, Speaking of which is, uh, yeah, no, it's this weird puzzle game that also is kind of like a dating sim, where, I mean, I, I, Ben, it sounds like you're familiar I, with the game, yeah. is that accurate? It's, it's Qbert as a psycho sexual Freudian nightmare. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's the same guys who do the Persona game, Atlas. Um, 
and, and they they literally made this game that it's like you know you're in this this relationship with this girl named Catherine and this other girl named Catherine shows up out of the blue and like seduces you and there's all these Whoa. really crazy like you have these nightmares where you're doing Huber block moving puzzles but like you're getting chased by the most Freudian monsters imaginable like it is not <laughs> subtle you, you, there's definitely one part where you're like being chased by a horrible person in a bridal dress and there's one where like the literal <laughs> vagina is trying to eat you like it's it's not necessarily a good game but it is a very interesting one and just really <laughs> out there. Um, so yeah, like if Godspeed to you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it took me way too long to finish the first puzzle because I, I guess it's just not something my brain is used to processing. Yeah. And I'm sure there's certain mechanics um, that I'm unaware of or like you know just don't understand. Yeah, they don't give so you like a lot I think the first learn them either. They're just like here, go. Also, you're being chased, so do it quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because the bottom's always falling out if you don't go up fast enough, mm -hmm. and it seems like you can get yourself into um, some unwinnable positions. Yep, yep. you can dead end yourself um, easily. And I, you know, I wish it would just be like you. You lose. You can't fit, you know, because yep. I would have to die like 10 times before you got to restart the level. I mean, eventually I would just start like I would just press start and just say, you know, retry. Yeah, yeah. But then like this, but then the second puzzle I did, I, I beat it on the first try, like extremely easily. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the puzzles. It's interesting yeah. for sure. Um, and the game seems normal so far, aside from the whole dream um, portions of it, but I guess you know, with A, the Somnian Files and this, I, I just really like those kinds of uh, games that explore the subconscious. Yeah, have you played Psychonauts? I have not, now. I've got to get around to that one of these days. Uh, like, th that is, to me, the, the gold standard in the surreal psycho psychological exploration subgenre. Like, it's Tim Schafer, the guy who used to do all the, the LucasArts adventure games, like uh, Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. Um, he, it, the whole premise is you like hop into people's brains and you just... It, it's like if you're playing Mario 64 on some person's personal psychic landscape. Um, so there's like one level where you're in the head of a conspiracy theorist and like there's all these dudes in like trench coats hiding behind the fire hydrants trying to take pictures of you every time you turn around. There's one where you're like in the mind of a, of a fish who is having a fantasy of being like a Godzilla type monster stomping through a city. Like, it's so good. Um, it's just so wild and fun and like it, it just does such interesting things with the characters and, and the mental explorations um like i i don't think anyone has has come close to to how well uh they executed on that one and there's a sequel coming or so we're i mean i i was aware that the game existed like i i 
know kind of what it looked like, but I had no idea what the, the premise was. So yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, I might have an extra copy of that one. That one shows up in the Humble Bundles pretty regularly, and you can get it for real cheap if you catch it on sale. So yeah, I can yeah. definitely scout that one out. kind of looks like um, the art of Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. there's a very Tim Burton-esque quality about it. Um, like they didn't have Tim Burton on, on staff in the extent of the imagination, but like the, the double fine team was, was very sort of into that when they were putting that game together. There, there are some pretty deliberate homages, um, to that and quite a few other things. That's so cool. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, Invader Zim. That's what, yes. that's the vibe I'm getting. It's yeah. that era of, um. Of, of kind of TV right show art. Mid-2000s, I want to say. Yeah, the, the same sort of, like, aesthetic influences. Yeah. Computers are just so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a good description there. Well, we didn't even get to the fall. Uh, I don't know. Like, did you guys get a chance to look at the fall yet? No, I downloaded it, but I have not played it yet. I intend to play it. Um, but I, I was a little more busier than I expected. Oh, not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, a really good thing actually. <laughs> we can yeah. we can circle back around to it one of these days. Um, yeah, I I only saw the first half hour or so on somebody's like uh, playthrough that's on uh, on just on YouTube. Um, but it does it does look like it makes you nice. Uh, yeah, I can post it, but it it looks like it would make a nice companion to near um, one of these weeks. So, uh, yeah. No, I was wondering, is there a way I can share it? Because I downloaded it on that Steam thing. Is there a way I can oh, share it with you? Oh, you can share it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I you don't can know. Stream it, maybe. Oh yeah. Okay, is that like I can just record it? If I, I'm not going to do it live, I will just like record it. That, I <laughs> yeah, I've I've been using. I'm so. Um, uh, what is the name of the, the program? I think it's like, it says OBS. It's the same one that I use to record these sessions. Um, OBS Studio. If you search for that, like, you can literally just hit start recording and then, like, have it keyed to whatever window you have the game in. Yeah. And it'll just record your screen and all the sound. It, it's great. Um, totally free. No, no money. Okay, cool. Necessary. Thank you. Yep. Word. That is so helpful. You have no idea. I'm really bad at finding things. No, it's, <laughs> Thank it's you. okay. This is back when I was in IT. I was doing stuff like this all the time. So looking for decent apps to do whatever yeah. I need them to do is kind of second nature at this point. Yeah, yeah. I need to take a course in that. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in case right. you need to. Thank teach. you. Yeah, uh, Ben, if you want to make a make a lecture explaining that as one of your next uh, <laughs> directions to go with your with your podcast. It is a, a shocking, yeah. shockingly valuable skill, if a fairly difficult <laughs> one to quantify or explain. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely difficult to quantify. <laughs> so Steve, we'll, we'll try to play like some extra time maybe to catch up um, before next week. If yeah, you're sure. free this weekend, maybe we can hop on and do that. 
Yeah, that sounds streaming. good. I guess, yeah, well, I, I was thinking about it on Tuesday, and, I, you know, on the save file that I've been using for the class, I have to, like, actually beat um, Eve again, like, and do all those yeah. boss battles again, which is, was, like, another reason I didn't want to play on Tuesday night. I was like, man, I don't have the energy to, like, get us back up there. Um, well, we can, we can also, like, jump around from chapter to chapter using your other file if you want. Like, that's a good, I think, a good way to get around some of the... Yeah, yeah. The only the only problem is I've I've done all the quests uh, in oh, that yeah. file, so like we're not going to be able to experience any of those. And they do provide uh, a, a lot of extra um, context to what's going on. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, if we if first one, they're like the the main story without any side quests, we could definitely use my other one. But um, I think we'd be missing something. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah. So you said you're playing again when? Uh, well, definitely next Tuesday. I don't know. We'll try to figure out a time this weekend. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe Tuesday Sunday. Said. Oh. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely right. the the regular Tuesday time. Cool. All right. And then. Possibly another time as well. Is that what you were saying? Uh, yeah, maybe sometime over. Yeah, yeah, sometime this weekend. Hmm. Well, awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, oops. Uh, I'll uh, I'll see you all in a week. Sounds good. Yeah, and what uh, what when I figure out a time that I'll that I'm gonna play, or if I do, I'll I'll post it in the Discord. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate All it. Right. Um, I probably have to watch it that night. I work on the weekend, but if I'm not off, oh. or if I'm not working, I will totally watch it with you as you go. All right. Cool. Done that. Thank you so much. All yeah. right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. See ya.